Welcome everybody to MMA Casuals. We've got our pilot episode today where we're doing coverage of the UFC 264 Poirier versus McGregor 3. Couldn't be more excited to run through this with my co-hosts Khan Ashworth and Steve Mulali here at MMA Casuals. So without further ado, I'm Nick Woodley and we're going to get stuck into these. Khan, how excited for you for UFC 264? How much does this fight mean to you? Mate, as a Conor McGregor fan, I'm fucking so pumped. You know, i got my... Get my fingers crossed for a Conor McGregor win, but more importantly, this is a great, great thing we've got going here. This podcast is going to be absolutely fantastic. Some great views, some casual views, some professional views, some good entertainment. We've got a bottle of proper 12 ready to kick us off. You're with great company, and you're with MMA Casuals. Flicking over to the Irish man himself, who sounds like he's hanging out the window having a cigarette in Auckland City. Steve, we've got the sirens in the background. Speak to me from an Irish perspective. Is Mystic Mac back, or is the diamond going to be tough enough to break through? Hello, good sir. Um, yes, sun is shining here. Birds are still singing. It's, it's a beautiful day. Um, in terms of the fight itself, um, ever since the second round knockout that Boyer did in the second fight, um, it's always been that trilogy fight. So I think McGregor's going to do it. It's very, very exciting, but you know, you can never count Boyer out. So everybody tune in tomorrow, and we will see. Perfect. And here at MMA Casuals, what we're aiming to do with this podcast is chat a bit of shit, share a few drinks, share a few laughs, a few unpopular opinions uh, for any fights that are upcoming, whether it be a UFC Vegas fight night or some of the main events that we have coming in future, which are going to be really exciting as well. So follow us on Instagram at MMA Casuals. Looking forward to getting stuck into this, guys. Without further ado, let's kick it off. Big ups to Elephant in the Room for organizing our intro and outro to the podcast. Absolutely huge vibes. Big up. Check them out on Spotify, Elephant in the Room. Really excited, Steve, to hear the Mulali roundup for this week. I know you had some pretty pressing topics that you wanted to throw down. Let me know. What do you got for us? Thank you, Woods. Thank you. Um, yeah, so one of the, the biggest topics that's been circulating around the MMA universe the past couple of weeks is the Serial Gane and... Derek Lewis interim title fight. So there's been a, yeah, there's been a lot of kind of mixed opinions on whether it should or shouldn't, you know, be a thing. Personally, I think both of them deserve it. Um, you know, the winner of that obviously is going to fight next for the title. But yeah, it's the whole thing with Ngannou and Jones. I think Ngannou has been waiting for Jones, and that obviously plays a factor. And you know, if you hold the title, you you need to be active. And at the moment, I know it's only been a couple of months, but. Yeah, I think he should have accepted a fight specifically with Lewis, but yeah. So I would love to hear your guys' opinion on that. Um, what do you guys think? Very surprised that they did throw down an interim title fight here uh, for the heavyweight division, which historically hasn't been a really active division if you look at the last couple of champions um, over the last couple of years. So yeah, it was a bit of a surprise on this one. Um, I know they want to see John Jones and Ngannou fight, but John Jones... Unsure if he's actually going to return to the octagon in the UFC over the next couple of years. Personally, from my casual opinion, of course, um, I don't think we're going to see him return. Stipe sort of left out of the equation for a trilogy as well. Um, and Cyril Garn and Derek Lewis, they just want to bang. And the winner of that should rightfully get the title fight. But I'm sure they'll accept an interim belt in the meantime. Khan, what are your thoughts? Nunganu, aka the Predator, the beast, the animal, the machine. Um, look, personally, like we, we know in the past, it's been a very, very slow-moving division, particularly in the top three, not even the top five, the top three. And I think what we've come to find is a lot of fighters that are kind of owed a shot at the title have to keep fighting when they've already done their dues. And I think an interim title for Derek Lewis and Cyril Gunn makes complete sense to me. Um, I don't think there's any point in holding out for another fight with John Jones. Not when we don't know if he's going to come back or when. So, like all things aside, I think Francis Nagano and his team are upset because they didn't get an interim title when they wanted one. I think it's purely based on that. It doesn't affect Nagano regardless. It still falls into the time frame that he wants to fight. And well, Derek Lewis at home in Houston potentially against Cyril Garn. Now, who doesn't want to see that fight? Either way. Someone's still fighting for the belt. Maybe it's two belts. I, I might just pick at that as well. I mean, we don't know when the fight is going to be, obviously, in the next couple of months. But who do you who do you 
I'm sure we'll cover it down the track, but who do you, at this stage, without sort of thinking about it too much, at the snap of a finger, who do you pick in that fight? Do you pick the brutality and the and the punching power of Derek Lewis, or do you go with the technical fighter, Cyril Gunn, who sort of seems to be bringing a new refreshment to that top five to, in the heavyweight division with his technical striking um, and controlled sort of approach to, the, to, the, to his fights? Yeah, I personally, I think Cyril Gunn is going to win it. Like, obviously, Lewis... You know, he, he can hit any person in any shape or form and he's going to put him out. But as you said yourself, Cyril Gann, he's a different kind of heavyweight fighter. He moves so freely on his feet. He has a different array of strikes. Um, like We haven't really seen too much like knockout power from him. I suppose like that's what you kind of expect with heavyweights. But he's very cool, calm and collected. And yeah, even though he hasn't had a massive amount of fights in the UFC, like he looks like an experienced fighter. And yeah, obviously he's always going to be in danger against Eric Lewis, but yeah, I, I think he will play very calm. He'll be just, he'll just take his time. I could it'll probably this might not be the greatest opinion, but I think it might go the the full full distance. I think he is definitely going to be afraid of Lewis's power, so he's not going to want to get too close, and he'll be he'll be very kind of calculated. I I would agree with that as well. And look, I think Derek Lewis is uh, although sponsored by Popeye's chicken, I think he stopped eating it. So. Yeah, you know, we're going to see yeah. a, perhaps a different black beast. Um, and if it does go those rounds, then, then who knows? That could be a feather in his cap as well. But talk to me about UFC 266 in the talks, UFC 267. I know that you're excited to, to hear about some speculation about Nick Diaz versus Robbie Lawler 2 this week. Yeah, to, to be honest, any kind of... You could put myself against Diaz and you're going to have record-breaking numbers and everyone's going to tune in to watch it. <laughs> I just personally think it doesn't matter who he fights, he's going to bring in the crowds, but... Yeah, he's just, he is as entertaining as a UFC, UFC fighter can be. Um, yeah, so who did you say he was fighting against, sorry? So the speculation is against the rematch for him, for Nick Diaz and Robbie Lawler 2 in September. Mm, wow, yeah. As a co-main event for UFC 266. Yeah, that would be an absolute pleasure to watch. That would be insane. Yeah, because you know both of them are just going to go all in, like throw hands. That, that would be very, very exciting. He's got a good personality. He's funny. Uh, I, I tune in to watch any of his fights. Do you see a bit of you and Nick? Yeah. <laughs> Certainly not, sir. So the, the, the old stop and slap. Shut your mouth, kid. And like any, any time the Nick Diaz army comes to the octagon, you know, it, it's entertaining, as you've said. So that, that division could even use a bit of a shake-up. I think there's a dominant champion at the moment, but if Nick Diaz does manage to come back and, and get a, one, you know, a couple of fights under his belt... There's definitely money in that for the UFC. Khan, what do you reckon? Yeah, I personally, since becoming a fan of the UFC, haven't really had much of an opportunity to watch that man. I don't even know if I've actually seen him fight live. So I would love the opportunity to see him get back into the octagon. I do know Dana White did mention the other day, if he doesn't sign in 2021, he may never sign with the UFC. After, after all these speculations that are coming out have been mentioned for a number of years that he's coming back. Yeah, he hasn't been in there in about five or so years. Mm. But look, mate, you're talking numbers, you're talking pay-per-view, you're talking the Nate Diaz army. Who doesn't want to tune in for that? And especially against an ex-champ, Robbie Lawler, who we know will bring the bricks as much as he would. Um, he's purely coming back for money, guys, let's be honest here. I cannot see him going too far up the division or getting close to that, that title. Um, but we all know these days rankings doesn't mean shit. Usman <laughs> wants to have a go at him. 100%. And look, I, I agree. Agree wholeheartedly. I think that division, there's only so many rematches you can have, right? And if by some miracle Covington does manage to beat Kamaru or we see a really good performance this weekend out of Wonderboy or Gilbert and they go and fight for the title again, people are still going to want to see Nick Diaz fight for that title, whether it's after his fight against Robbie Lawler again or whether it's a couple of fights down the track but what else is on the radar Steve UFC 267 we're talking the return of Smash comes at Chimaev versus Li Jingliang for UFC 267 in October obviously just a casual opinion on this one but how excited are you to see Kamzat return to the division oh extremely excited he, he, he's been out now for too long um I suppose he's got a sense of the McGreg the old McGregor kind of chat as in he says he's gonna smash you and that's exactly what he does. He, <laughs> he 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 brings the beans and he opens them and he just cracks off. So 
yeah, he he's he's a very entertaining fighter, but I don't know personally. I just want to see him get smashed because he just <laughs> chats so much shit. So, but yeah, you, you you can't deny the man. He he says what he's gonna do, and he goes in and and does it. But kind of similar to O'Malley is like you know I don't think he's had the biggest kind of tests. So obviously we'll see that in the future. This will be his first fight back, but. Yeah, I'd like in the turn of the new year next year, um, just to see him get some kind of better ranked opponents, um, so we can actually see him being tested instead of just mauling people. But <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm very interested to hear Karen's point of view on that one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who doesn't want to watch the schmish get back in there and schmish some faces? <laughs> well, let's be fair, he's he's a very entertaining fighter. He does bring that wowness about him. He's another Russian. Ah, born anyway, but it says he's Swedish. Take your pick. Um, yeah, look, I'd love to see him in, in the octagon with some um, better competition. I know that fight Neil Magny was throwing out there a while ago. That would have been a fight I would have been far more excited for uh, than... Who was he fighting again? So Maybe the speculation is nothing's confirmed yet, but he's uh, they're looking to try and organise him against Li Jiangling for oh, yeah. UFC 267 in October. Yeah, well, hey, Lee Jungling, however you say it, he's actually he's actually a great fighter. You, you watch his stand up; he's very good. Uh, he's going to bring the fight to Hamzat Chimaev, uh, but I think the UFC is still hand fed him another person to smash. So <laughs> hey, as long as he gets back in the octagon, if he's as active as he says he is, and I know he said he wants to stay in the welterweight and work towards the uh, title. It'll be good to see him stay stay put in one division, and yeah, we'll, let's see let's see what he's capable of. But here we are, boys. The main card, the main thing we've been waiting for all week here: Poirier versus McGregor three. The trilogy comes to an end. We've got some fantastic fights on this one. Uh, let's start off with Sean O'Malley versus Chris Montino. What are we thinking here, boys? Sugar Show is going to run away with this one early on, or is Montino going to pull out something that we've never seen before? Oh, I'm gonna. I obviously think that Sean O'Malley is going to win this, but I'm going to give a very unpopular opinion, right? So obviously, um, as we just spoke about, Matinho has just quit his job. You know, the man's coming in, it's his first UFC fight. You know, I've looked up a few videos, he hasn't got a whole lot of content, so it's, you know, quite tricky to know what he's like. He looks very light on his feet, um, but you know, he's coming in here, he is, he's got absolutely nothing to lose. He, he's expected to lose, you know, so... You know, everyone's, you know, thinking O'Malley's going to walk away with it. So, you know, Martinez going to go in. I think he he potentially has something to show and he's now in the right place to show it. Like, we all know what O'Malley's like. You know, he's the most craziest fighter in terms of, like, what he can show and where he can show it from. And you just, you never know what's coming. Like, it's, yeah, it's a very hard challenge to face, but... I don't know, with Martinho, as I said, he's coming in, nothing to lose. I just think that that there's I would love to see an upset so he can finally O'Malley can get that first loss, wink wink, <laughs> on his um record. <laughs> well thanks, sir. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean de- definitely wink wink on that one. I think you you're taking away from Marlon Vera if you strip him of that win. Um but look, agree. This this guy Chris has has come in, he's a as Sean O'Malley said in his interviews, he is a nobody. This is his first fight in the UFC. It could very well be his last. But he's, he's quit his job to come and do this, like he said. He's thrown caution to the wind to back himself. And a man backed into a corner when he's got nothing to lose. If he comes out swinging while Sugar Sean is looking for some kind of fancy finish, or if he's taking the fight lightheartedly, if he's looking past Chris Montino, that's when fighters get hurt. That's when things could go south for Sugar Show and put a wrap on what has sort of been a really good career, minus a few injuries. Um, Khan, what do you think? Well, first I want to touch basis on Chris quitting his job. Why did, why did he quit his job? To fight in the UFC. Yeah, I know, but he's, he's, he hesitated when he said he was going to fight a, signed a two-fight deal, which he probably did. First one, he's going to be known as a guy that gets knocked out. Second of all... <laughs> Was he just going to walk into the top 10 of Bantamweight? He ain't going to make enough money. At least he's getting the Sugar Show Rainbow Panty Night. But I don't <laughs> think he's on those dollars yet. Um, but, you know, full credit to him jumping in. You know, put his name in the hat. Um, he, look, he seems confident. He's got nothing to lose. And uh, 
you know, if Sean is looking past them, as you mentioned before, it's, they, they could get him in trouble, you know. Sean's going to be looking for a highlight knockout. Chris is going to be expecting it. And if he says it's going to be a fight of the night, well, maybe we might see an upset. And, and let's just touch on that for a little bit there. Not only is Sugar Show, Sugar Sean O'Malley, you know, this guy that wants these extravagant finishes and, you know, he, he tried to put out Almeida in the first round, which he thought he did, and he walked away from a KO because he wanted that walk-off like he had against Eddie Wineland. If you do that stuff, you have that hype that's already behind him put on a Conor McGregor card. Is there more stress on Sugar Show to do something even more flashy, even more extravagant in this position on the Conor McGregor card? Does he want to really just push it and, and do a, uh, I don't know, some kind of faint double heel kick, <laughs> Superman flying knee, <laughs> some crazy, you know, Tony Ferguson bullshit? Or what, what does that sort of mean? Like, how, how, how is that hype going to hinder him in this fight? Or is it really not going to? Is it going to push him yeah, to do something? See, uh, 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 like, with Sean O'Malley, he, he is as cool, calm, and collected as they come. Like, I don't think he will be in any way nervous about it. But to touch on what you said, he is 100% trying, trying to get a highlight finish. Um, I think he does that every fight anyway, but now that it's on the McGregor card... I think he will be trying extra. But again, it's like, you know, the people that he's fought previously, you have the option to look up tapes, study them. Do you know, I think he's just a crazy fighter in itself. As I said previously, he can throw anything from anywhere, but, like, no one really knows what this Chris fella's like. Like, you know, he could he could have his own tricks up his sleeve. And with a hairstyle like that, God, <laughs> God only knows. <laughs> well, the Sugar Show's definitely going to see him coming, I'll tell you that for free. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What if he doesn't? What 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 if Chris does win this fight? I mean, what sort of position does that put him in? Not that Sean O'Malley is ranked as of yet, but um, what what does a victory over Sean Sugar Show mean for Chris Montino coming in as, as a freshman? I I think he'd probably like do you know what was his name? Moreno when he'd be Figueredo and like, you know, him and his kind of his personality in the spotlight went crazy. Like, I think if, if you're beating someone like Sugar Sean O'Malley, I think, you know, it definitely opens up a lot of avenues. He certainly won't need to go back to his job, and, and that's for sure. <laughs> it's, you might not get hired. <laughs> it, it is, at the end of the day, a combat sport. All it takes is one punch, one takedown. Yeah. You know, anything can happen here. But from where we're sitting, look, Sugar Show all day, Agreed, agreed, yeah. I'm just trying to throw a little bit of a spanner in the works, you know. It's, but yeah, I have to agree. Sean O'Malley with everything. Again, all of my money on Sean. Looking at Chris Montino, he's physically, you look at him in the weigh-ins, his cauliflower ears are about as bad as a, um, you know, a prop playing for the All Blacks. He looks seasoned, he looks the part. We've never seen him fight. Anything could happen in this one. If it goes to ground... Do you want to talk about Sugar Sean O'Malley's ability on the ground? It sort of hasn't been tested. He's had one rear naked choke win, uh, one submission win in his time fighting. Um, but what does this mean? What if the fight does go to ground and we're finally going to see something from Sugar Show other than his striking? On the feet, Sean knocks him out. On the ground, if he can get him down, I think he's going to choke him out as easy as he can knock him out. I think it's a very one side, and I don't think there's actually a fight here at all, personally. It could be all she wrote for Chris yeah. Montino. It could be the first and last time that we hear his name. Again, with his takedowns, Chris Montino's only 5'7". Sean's almost 6' at 5'11". Probably not going to be able to get him, get him down unless he really does have that small man strength. But looking forward to this one nonetheless. I'd love to see, personally, Sean O'Malley get on the ground. Every time I see videos of him um, or his vlogs or the UFC Embedded, he is doing some kind of wrestling. I know he's good ma good mates with his wrestling coach. Um, so I I'd love to see that. But I'd also love to see a, a flying knee KO in the first eight seconds, cool. reminiscent of Jorge against Ben Askren. Awesome. And, and when Sean wins, and if Chris does have a second fight in the UFC, like he says he signed a two-fight contract, I want to see him against CM Punk. So I think they're about each other's standards. <laughs> <laughs> Hey man, I'm one for shit haircuts and trashy tattoos. Just take a look at me. 
Perfect. All right. So now we're moving to the women's bantamweight bout of the night. We have Aldana versus Kuntiskaya, which I've absolutely murdered the pronunciation of. But speaking of murdering, Steve, who's going to run away with this one? Uh, I'm all for Aldana, to be honest, mate. I think in terms of kind of like previous fights, I think she's fought a better kind of category of fighters. She had like a five round loss to Holly Holm, mm. which again is a loss, but like to go five rounds with that woman is is a, an achievement in itself. Um, yeah, I, I just, for some reason, I'm just all for her. I, again, I think this one will be more so on the feet um, in Aldala's favor. Um, I can just see her hitting Yano with a few shots and then Yano will go for a takedown and then it'll be good night. And speak to me about the, the height difference here as well. It might not sort of mean too much, but for someone who does have a bit of ground and pound and a few submission uh, wins on her resume, Irene has sort of three inches in the height. Is that going to play a big, play a big part in this, or uh, what do you reckon? Again, like three inches, it depends kind of. It's it's not an awful lot, but again, I think their, their stance kind of will, will play a lot into it. Because, you know, like some fighters, their stance will be kind of leaned forward a bit more. Yeah. Um, so I don't think it's gonna have a big factor. Um, I just it's just in relation to kind of the I, I just think she's gonna get outstruck. And even if you look at the stats in terms of like striking accuracy and stuff, it definitely weighs towards Yana. But yeah, I don't know. My heart tells me that that it's gonna be Aldana all day in this one. Watching the weigh-ins this morning, Aldana did miss weight. She weighed in at one sixty-nine for bantamweight, which is only 165. Not only that, Yana's last opponent also missed weight, which she managed to run away with that win. So I think this is gonna be a fight for Yana to take. I think whilst Irene did have a good fight against Holly Holm, Yana's coming off a two fight win streak, again fighting someone that has missed weight. The strikes absorbed from Irene, she takes a lot of shots. And Yana's striking accuracy, from what we're looking at here, at 57%. And the way that Irene does take shots, I think if Yana manages to pull off that jab, or that straight, or maybe even an uppercut, into that tie guard, she's going to have good success. Again, this is just from my casual opinion. And my casual opinion says, never, never bet against anybody from Russia. Yana's Russian, <laughs> angry, mean. I think she's going to take this one. Khan, anything to add here? Do you like some of the points that I've made? Do you disagree completely? Um, looking here, I have seen both of these two fight. Um, I'm going to lean towards Yana. Uh, looking at the record, I think it's, it definitely shows that she's uh, probably the better fighter. That maybe like, you can hate on that, but 14-5 and five, um, and a two-fight win streak. Um, she, throws, she throws at a pretty high accuracy in striking. Irene Aldana is used to absorbing those punches of 5.97, so almost 6 per minute. Um, yeah, I don't know, a weight cut, I think she's going to be tired. I think she's going to be sluggish. Um, if she can't get Yana out early, I think Yana's going to run away with this one, personally. And, and when you sort of do say that, I mean, you look, at the, you look at the tail of the tape. Irene, out of her seven fights that have gone to decision, she's lost four of them. Uh, against Yana whose seven fights that have gone to decision she's won six of them we see this a lot in the you know in the women's bantamweight division a lot of fights do go the distance backing up what you're saying if Irene doesn't take it in round one Yana's probably going to outstrike her for round two and three and she'll run away with the decision but Steve keen to hear your rebuttal on that one I know that you're picking Irene for this fight anything to add yeah I've, the, the difference in our opinions is like very very difference and <laughs> um, yeah uh, i completely agree with the, the, every kind of point that you guys made in terms of yana um yeah there's just something you know irene missing weight that's not great and she didn't actually look very well on the way and i think she had a bit of a stumble when she was getting off the actual scales but oh. yeah again you know you have that bit of um she's not much extra weight but she's got that bit of extra weight but yeah i, I can just see her just about edging it all right, so you're sticking with your guns there. You're still going to go with Irene in this one. Anything under the yep. lights of the Conor McGregor-Dustin Poirier trilogy, is that going to push these two to start swinging a little bit earlier, or do you see this one going to decision as well? 
good question. Um, I can see this one more than likely going to the, a decision. I think it will be a quite a slow start. Um, they'll both feel each other out for the first few minutes of the first round, and then the second and third round. I think that's when they pick up the pace. But yeah, I think this one will go the distance and has decision all over it. Um, but yeah, definitely sticking with Aldana. Looking forward to it. If uh, if Yana can make it through those early rounds, you know she did get knocked out by Chris Cyborg in the first round couple of years back now um, going back to the glory days but excellent from our casual opinions look we'll uh, revisit this when we go over our picks again at the end but best of luck with you steve i'll be uh, i'll be <laughs> i'll be watching intently all right so now we're moving into the only heavyweight fight on the main card for ufc 264 tui vasa versus hardy bam bam versus greg hardy what do we got on this one, boys? This is going to be fire. Yes, 100%. For, I don't think it's going past the first round. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think they're going to stand and just throw, and that's going to be, that's going to be it. And the, I think Taito Vasa will win it, but again, it's heavyweight. Just, you just can't get hit with one, and then that's it. It's game over. Like with, with Greg Hardy... He's taller, he's got bigger reach. So I think if he's going to win the fight, he needs to utilize that big time. But I don't know, um, my heart is with Tai Tuvasi here. I think he's just he's going to put his lights out. He just looks like one of those guys that, you know, he hasn't put a heck of a lot into his cardio from what we can see. He's self-proclaimed that he's fit. But when it comes to someone who's 265 pounds at only six foot two, I mean, you just never know. But Ty's coming off two first round knockouts that have looked absolutely fantastic. He is pretty active, um, you know, going one or two fights a year for the last four years or so. Um, and Greg Hardy, I mean, he, he, his gas tank has been tested. He sort of didn't do too well in the last fight um, against Tabora coming off that first round where he just looked absolutely exhausted. So I'm sure he's sort of tried to remedy that this camp, but if it does go past this first round, which I'm not saying it will, um, then it's most likely going to be Ty's fight. But Khan, heavyweight, two, UFC 264, I mean, this for me is going to be fight of the night. These guys are just going to get in the middle of the ring and just bang it out until one of them goes to sleep. Is that what's going to happen, or do you see this sort of being more technical? I personally think Ty's got a bit too much experience for Greg. Uh, this is definitely a, a bit of a step up for Greg. Um, he lost to Tabura and he beat Green, so I think Ty two of us could probably beat both those fellas, personally. Um, but yeah, Steve Long, it's going to kind of go with you there, man. I think I'm going to lean towards Ty. I think it might be perhaps a second round. Second round knockout is my pick. Um, in terms of the stats, mate, their defense is over around 50%. <laughs> their accuracy is at 50%. Um, I think one thing to watch out for, Tai Tuavasa is going to demolish Greg Hardy's leg. His lead leg. He's got ruthless leg kicks. And I don't see Greg throwing too much kicks. 100%. And we saw that in his, whether it was his last fight or the fight before that, but... The knockdown with the leg kick, the the torque on that, and the way that he twisted his hips into that kick was phenomenal. And whilst I've sort of questioned his fitness, he's nimble for a heavyweight. He is. He's out there throwing flying knees, flying punches, spinning. You know, he's, he, he is rather active in these first rounds, and that is something that favours him here. Um, but we're going to see, I guess. You know, backing up what I did say, I, in my casual opinion, I, I do think that Greg hasn't looked phenomenal in anything past the first round um, and he is coming off a pretty tough tough loss so yeah a lot to a lot to a lot to to sort of to gain here for Greg Hardy um, but another notch on the belt most likely for Tai Tuivasa it's going to be Tai Tuivasa all day but I just I have a feeling Greg is going to go in there he's going to try and get him out in the first round and they're just going to be swinging for the hills and then you know if none of them get knocked out in the first round then Good night, Greg. He, he's, he's not going to get any farther than that. 
and leading up to fight week, I mean, Ty said that, you know, he's had to do a lot of travel, which can sometimes be exhausting. Probably not too much of a weight cut, but he was saying he's been doing his sparring and his hard sparring and his training in, in car parks. Obviously, coming out of sort of, I think he fights out of Sydney, he, you know, they've been in a lockdown, so it can be pretty, pretty hard for them um, to do their sparring and to do their training. So him having to be resorting to literally fighting on the street, do you think that does anything for his, his mentality coming into this? No, not necessarily, to be honest. Like, you know, this is kind of what the, these boys do. Um, they, they find a place to train and then they're, they're just going to do it. Obviously, he mightn't have the facilities that, you know, Greg would have, but, you know, to, even the watching the embedded shows, um, he's a very, um, like, calm man. Like, kind of, I'm pretty sure his, his confidence will come true as well. So, yeah, I, I think fighting on the street, like, fucking go for it. <laughs> <laughs> It's definitely his background, isn't it? You know, the way he is, he's quite rough. If anything, I think it may have brought him back to his old animalistic instincts, which we do, we know he do, does have. However, I do also want to touch note on the fact that he has been over in Dubai and an American top team, I believe it's an American top team, the, yep. last, the last year or so, except for this fight camp. Um, so it'll be real interesting to see um, how much his game has evolved and whether that can uh, be put to use to against Greg Hardy who we know is a very durable tough guy so it'll be a good fight as well and, and talking about American top team I mean is that where this leg kick phenomenon has come from it's something that they train and drill religiously you know um, and we, we've seen that we've seen the leg kick that Ty throws these guys I don't know if they have a, de- a specific day dedicated during the week where they train leg kicks for 8 <laughs> hours but my god do they throw those leg kicks eh <laughs> Yep, yeah. <laughs> um, so hopefully, you know, for me, my casual opinion, you'll see Ty doing a shoey about <laughs> after about two and a half minutes into that first round after he knocks out Greg. So we'll see. Um, see what shoey Vasa can. Uh, sorry, Tui Vasa. <laughs> Ty shoey Vasa. <laughs> Let's go. I love that. <laughs> we'll see what he can do. Perhaps um, Bruce Buffer will give up one of his leather crocodile shoes. And... <laughs> I do. I do have something else I want, I want to add on. Um, obviously, I want Taito of us to win anyway, being a New Zealander. As much as we uh, say we hate the Aussies, we don't hate them that much. <laughs> Wouldn't mind seeing the man get a win, and mate, he's very entertaining on the mic. Yes. You know, we're seeing. I don't know if you guys remember that one against with Joe Rogan, and he's like, hey, Joe Rogan, can I pinch one of your shoes for a shoe? And he goes, Absolutely not. That's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just like, Oh, all good. <laughs> Didn't give a shit. So, um, yeah, hey. Entertainment in the octagon and outside the octagon. All right, and in our co-main event for USC two six four, we have Gilbert Durinho Burns against Stephen Wonderman, now Wonderboy Thompson. <laughs> Classic matchup here. We've got the the jujitsu versus the karate guru. Super excited to see this one. We've got some really... These guys are veteran fighters by now. Impressive, impressive records on both sides of the roster. Let's go to the tail of the tape. Khan, who are you saying here? Are you a Wonderboy fan or are you going to lean towards the Dorinho Burns? Yeah, I mean, look. This, I like both guys. I like Gilbert Burns. Especially when Dan Hocker knocked him out. <coughs> Up the Kiwis. <coughs> um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Stephen Thompson, how could you not like... The nicest motherfucker on the UFC roster. I think this is uh, personally a bit of a um, nightmare of a matchup for Gilbert Burns. I think his, his striking style is going to be very hard for him to break the guard through Stephen Thompson. Given how he bounces and how he moves, how he's in and out, he's very, very quick. We also know in recent fights, Damian Meyer, which got him the title shot for Kamaru Usman, sorry, and Tyron Woodley before the Usman. Um, that he's favouring his striking a bit. I hope he doesn't go away from what he knows the best. But if he's going to strike with Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, I don't see him winning this at all. I think his, his way of winning is, is is the ground. Yeah, On the feet, Stephen Thompson. On the ground, Gilbert Burns should get the win, but we all know Stephen Thompson's a fucking animal, even though he doesn't <laughs> look like it. What, what do you think Wonderboy has to do to make sure that Gilbert Burns doesn't close the distance? I think he's going to have to stay on the outside. Gilbert Burns is going to come. He's going to come forward. He's going to 
press, and I think if he is going to tag Wonderboy Thompson, he's going to need to do that. Um, I think Wonderboy Thompson's just got to stay light on his feet, weave in and out, counter punch, step in, give a twack one or two, jump back out. He's going to, he doesn't want to, I don't think he wants to engage with the clinch too much with Gilbert Burns. And how much does Stephen Thompson's takedown defense, he's sitting around, sitting around 80%, how much does that come into this? Is this something that's threatening for Gilbert with you know, him trying to decide coming into this whether he's going to go with the classic MMA ground and pound grappling wrestling jiu-jitsu approach or whether he's going to sort of go on his Muay Thai and boxing. Do you think he has to think about how hard Stephen Thompson is to take down? Do you think that really plays a big part coming into this fight for Gilvin Burns' mentality? Yeah, I mean, look, Stephen Thompson has got a very high, high takedown defence. Um, however, Gilbert Burns is another level. You know, there's only a few fighters that would probably give... Wonderboy Thompson a, a tough time to get taken down and Gil Burns will be one of those um, so it'll be interesting to see where that one where that one matches up I think Steve's probably got something you could add on to that as well yeah no, 100% um, I definitely agree with what you said Karen um, in terms of Thompson being like light on his feet um, I think if Burns doesn't go for numerous takedowns like I think he has to kind of just keep doing it I think he's going to get loads of them are going to be stuffed but for me, that's the only avenue I can see him on getting a win in the fight is like by some sort of a submission. Thompson is going to be just too quick for him, and he's he's going to play his distance very very well. Mm-hmm. Um, like against, and he's got the reach advantage, but yeah, like Burns is obviously going to have to set it up quite well. Um, if it goes to the ground, it's it's a completely different ball game. So yeah, it's it's the classic kind of style versus style. Like this is my main reason for for loving MMA. It's like two complete different art forms going against each other and it's just a matter of you know who can pull out the stops on the night and i mean gilbert burns coming off a loss to kamaru it's it's he's just such a dominant champion and it's so hard to look good against kamaru so if stephen yeah. thompson does have any struggles with gilbert burns um whether it's losing the fight or struggling with the takedowns then you know he's he's going to struggle even more with Kamaru. So, yeah, I think from my from where I'm sitting in my casual opinion, um, I'm going to go Stephen Thompson decision. Um, he's got to use those karate karate kicks to to, to clo- you know to keep him at range. Um, the spinning back kicks, the body kicks. I think the body kicks are going to come into play extremely early on. Chop the legs, chop the body, um, and then maybe later on in the fight, some head kicks are going to present. Um, be presented as well so on the other side of that if Gilbert Burns can break through push through hunt him down steamroll him and get the takedowns and not just shoot one or two um, and get stuffed you know if he shoots four and five six and seven eight and nine and keeps going then he might be able to wear Wonderboy out and go in for the submission I'd love to see it obviously it was more of a striking fight with Kamaru um, but I'd love to see Gilbert get some some ground time in be dominant with his jiu-jitsu and get the win. Um, but unfortunately, I think he does struggle with those longer fighters. Again, going back to what Khan said with the Dan Hooker fight, Dan Hooker is someone who's longer, got more reach on him. He's more of a striker. Uh, and that's exactly how Tom, Stephen Thompson's going to come into this fight as well. Long, defensive, mobile, agile, and stick and move. He's going to throw kicks, move, throw kicks, move, stuff to takedowns, get up. And you've got to watch the kicks coming out of the clinch if he does get into that position. Whilst Gilbert Burns is probably going to try and break clinch and throw elbows, Stephen Thompkins, uh, Stephen Thompson is probably going to get away from the clinch and then follow up with kicks. Yeah, look, look on the feet, I'm going to I'm going to say Stephen Thompson's going to win this, and I'm going to say I'm going to go to Sam of Woods. I think it's going to be a decision. I think if Gilbert Burns is going to if he's going to try and get him down. He's going to have to level change. He's going to have to mix it up. He's going to have to make Stephen Wonderboy Thompson think about what he's going to do. Uh, being a three-round fight, if you're going to shoot nine times, most of the fight's going to be finished. And if it's standing up, you're probably behind on the scorecard. So, look, I mean, we're kind of out leading towards Stephen Thompson. I think the majority of us. Um, but we all know that Gilbert Burns does have that one-hit knockout power. And he does have good takedown accuracy. So, it will... We'll see, we'll see where this goes. But Stephen Thompson, for me, takes us out. Um, yeah, so the way I, I personally would see this one going, so I'll have to go against these guys again. 
as much as I love Thompson and I'd rather see him win. Um, obviously, both of them are hungry, and you know the, the winner of this is pretty much going to get a title fight after Usman and Covington. So basically, what I, what I can see happening is I think for some reason I think that um, Burns is just going to be a little bit more hungry, and I think he's going to fight the way he fought against Woodley, which is just going to be pure pressure. He's going to be like constant and. He'll definitely make mistakes, as I've said previously, in terms of like missed takedowns and stuff like that. But I can see him being completely dogged and like, like he can't fight at a distance against Thompson. He he's just gonna get picked apart. So he needs to take risks. He needs to he needs to get in quite close, get him up against the cage, take him down. Hundred percent. And look, I mean, good points, but to back my own opinion up, Wonderboy's never been tapped out. He's never been finished by a submission. So I think. If he can stuff those takedowns, if they stop coming after the first round or after the second round, then he's going to have free reign. And just controlling the fight at range. Again, it's that classic jiu-jitsu versus karate. We love to see the matchup. Um, and whoever wants it more, I mean, I, th- I think we can all agree that whoever wants it more on the night is going to be the one that takes it out. But they both do look hungry. Gilbert Burns is coming off a loss to uh, a very, very dominant champion. Um, and Stephen Wonderboy, I was, I was impressed with his fight night um, against... Jeff Neal, I remember watching that fight and thinking, right, uh, Wonderboy definitely did enough in that fight, got him performance of the night. Um, and from a casual look, I, I, I still think Stephen Thompson's going to take it out and continue that, which will take him to a three-fight a three fight win streak, which then would either get him the Covington or Kamaru fight. So, Yeah, agreed, 100%. All right, so... We're on to the big one. Here we go. This is Mystic Mac, Return of the Mac. The notorious Conor McGregor versus Dustin the Diamond Poirier. UFC 264, main event, lightweight bout. Rank number one contender against the rank number five contender. Shut your mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Where do we even start on on, on this fight? I mean, look. This is a fight that, as soon as Connor was knocked out in that last fight, uh, Dustin, the humble diamond Poirier, put his fingers up and said, 1-1, we'll run it back. That time is finally upon us. What's changed in the last six months? Connor McGregor has gone back to pure MMA. He's mentioned that leading up to this fight, he was 80% boxing. He's gone 100% MMA here. He's going to go back to his karate stance. He's going to be light on his front foot. It won't be there to be checked as easily. Um, I don't know this is a tough fight man but in all honesty I'm not going to be confident saying either person is going to win this because it could go either way um, I mean look if anyone wins a rematch it's Conor McGregor we saw how fast he managed to make the adjustment for the Nate Diaz 2 fight though it was close it could have gone either way but if anyone is going to make an adjustment and come back and win a fight it's no no better man than Conor McGregor. So I think Dustin's definitely got a different fucking animal on his hands. But on the other hand, Dustin's confident. You know, he compromised that front leg. He took some of Conor's better strikes, though he was wobbled, good poker face, and he got the knockout win. So, mate, full credit to Dustin. Can't take anything away from him. But this is a this is a fucking huge fight. Someone else add on to that because I won't stop. <laughs> <laughs> and and it, it's almost one of those fights that you can talk about all day. And I know I've been really excited to talk about this all week. Um, almost as excited as I have been to watch this fight. But I, I, I mean, Connor, just there's something this week that just doesn't doesn't sit right with me. Whether he's it, it almost feels forced. I think he's just not in that same position where he's where he's hungry. I think he's comfortable. He's got the money in the bank. His family's not with him this week. He. To me, he loses this. He retires from MMA. Maybe he fights Manny Pacquiao. Maybe he fights Jake Paul. And then he takes one more payday. He said that he does want to fight Nate Diaz as well. But to me, this is the tail end of his career. He's done something absolutely phenomenal for the sport. He's brought so many new people to it. But I think that lightweight division is just too tough for him, and I don't think he's going to be able to get past Dustin. (laughs) Yeah, so in terms of this fight... um... Like, obviously, they fought twice already. You can't kind of, you know, each and every fight is going to be different. Um, McGregor dominated the first one. I thought he was doing quite well in the second fight. Um, you know, when, when the leg kick started and then 
you could see Poirier was getting confident. I think, as you said, Nick, he took you know, a few of McGregor's big shots. He was definitely stunned by one or two of them, but you know, he wasn't knocked down. He, he held himself together. But I think McGregor is going to be zoned in. I think he's going to come out all guns blazing. Like he's trying, I definitely agree with you as well. Like he is trying way too hard to to get into Poirier's head, and like it's like he's trying to be the old his old his old self, which is like yeah, it, it just wasn't a good look. I cringed for the entire press conference. It was not a good time, but yeah, I think in terms of the fighting style, he's gonna come out. He's gonna be exactly the way he was, and I honestly think he's gonna pick apart Poirier, and that will be the end of that one. I think if he comes out the exact way he did in the in the second fight, he 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 will lose. He's gotta he's gotta adjust. He's gotta go back to his karate, yeah. you know, not as wide stance. He's gotta be lighter on his feet, not so front footed, um, you know, not so focused on the boxing that he as he was in the second fight. He's Dustin is someone that's so hard to control range with. Dustin just walks forward through big shots. He's got a one hell of a fucking counter hook on him which obviously gave him great success in the second fight. But with the range control, I think connor has got to take it upon himself to go back to that karate, go back to those wheel kicks, the head kicks, and start chopping that leg himself. Dustin has had problems in the past fighting against leg kicks, um, you know, against Justin Gaethje, um, against, I think it was Michael Johnson. That's something that Connor needs to have a look at as well. Connor did so well with his leg kicks against Nate Diaz in that rematch. He knocked him down with a leg kick in one of the earlier rounds. It was fantastic. And that just seemed to fall out of Connor's arsenal as the sort of years have caught up on us and he hasn't sort of fought for a while. So maybe Connor does get that energy back and, and he's sort of been work, working on his MMA, like Khan said, and, and learning on, uh, sorry, focusing on how to control that range. But that's what it comes down to for me. Dustin Poirier's guard is quite awkward, but the shots are still there. That middle channel is so open against someone who holds his high tie guard like that. He's got that pointy block where he sort of almost rolls his shoulder and then he looks for that counter hook. But if McGregor can land a big uppercut right down the middle channel there or a front a front up kick, that could that could be Connor's fight. I think if he can do that, if he can control the range move in and out, as I sort of said to you yesterday, Steve, those hop kicks where you're sort of jumping out and putting pressure on the knee of your opponent, almost like Robert Whittaker does, if he can start putting those back into his arsenal, that's something that he's done well in the past as well, then he's going to have good success. If he can lean on those kicks in the early rounds, work the body a little bit, land that uppercut, try and look for that uppercut, then he might be able to make it. I don't know if he's going to come out all guns blazing. I think he's going to be a bit more focused than this one. But on the other side of that, if that's what he does, it's going to give Dustin time to build and look a lot better and become more confident and get that ring control. And if that's something he does, you saw it against Dustin's fight against Dan Hooker, against Dustin Gaethje. Those were fucking tough fights for Dustin. If the fight goes out of the second and third round and into the championship rounds, I think Connor's really going to struggle here and he's going to be in over his head. I'd love to see Connor do it in the first round. If it makes it out of the first, I'm probably going to give this fight to Dustin. Yep. No, I agree in terms of like if it goes past the first it's got Dustin Poirier written all over it, but I, ju- I just, I have a good feeling that McGregor is going to have, he's going to be throwing an array of different strikes. It's not going to be like boxing kind of, you know, unrelated. He's going to be throwing low kicks, high kicks, body kicks. Like he, he's going to be throwing a lot of different weapons towards Poirier. And I think at the end of the day, it's good. it'll be similar to what Poirier did to him in the first fight. You know, you, you get hit with a few leg kicks, then you're kind of waiting for them to come. And all of a sudden, McGregor's just going to put, put one up to the head. And then, yeah, I think he's going to be very versatile. He's gonna, we're going to see some maybe new, not new things for him. But, yeah, I, I just have a feeling that yeah, we're never going to see the old McGregor. I, I think we're going to see a, a more mature, improved version of him. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, look, Conor already he's already mentioned a number of times. And you just need to look at the second fight. He's very, very heavy on the front foot. He's favouring his left hand. And he's keeping his head to the right so he can count over the top and look for that knockout punch. It's not going to be the same Connor. It's going to be leg kicks. He's going to be calf kicks. He's going to go high. He's going to go to the body. He's going to be a little more reserved. Like I, I, I don't think that this fight gets finished early. I think it's going to go into the later rounds. So I think it may favour Dustin. 
depending on how well Connor reserves his gas tank. Um, like I will you, Steve, I think Connor's going to pick him apart. He's also definitely going to throw some calf kicks. We know in the past, if someone's got a lot of head knockouts, for instance, he'll throw up a high kick, Cowboy Cerrone. So he loves to throw people's best shots back at them, which definitely puts them off. Um, but yeah. <laughs> Go, going off what you're saying there, I, I think any time in MMA where someone's getting their leg attacked, it's taking the power out of whether it's their lead hand or their power shot hand. If you do that to Dustin Poirier, he's going to do one thing. He's going to level change and he's going to try and shoot Connor into the corner or try and get him down onto the mats. Dustin Poirier has a fantastic submission game. This is something that he's talked about this week. He said he's envisioning, for some reason, submitting Connor. Maybe he does take some damage and decide that two or three leg kicks are enough and tries to take it to the ground. Unfortunately, whilst I'm sure Connor has above average jiu-jitsu and grappling, I think Dustin Poirier obviously has more of these wins on his resume and that's something that he can quite comfortably take over um, if that fight does go that way and into those sort of deeper rounds where the fight might wear on Connor, that submissions are going to become more evident. And whilst I'm sure Connor has won some good fights via elbows um, and striking in the ground and pound, there haven't been really any submissions never been something that's a strong point for Connor. it's always been more striking focused yeah and like one thing that gets me with the fight if you go back maybe like the last couple of years so it's since he lost to Khabib so he, he obviously lost that fight then he went and he fought Mayweather um, then his only kind of fight before the Poirier fight the previous one was against Cerrone which was I not was it 40-50 seconds so like that's not a lot of time to be in the octagon. Like, you know, like you have to get that fight experience. And I personally think that when he was going to fight Poirier the second time, that he thought it was just going to be a boxing match. So he, he wasn't prepared for the kicks. Because, you know, Poirier is a, a fantastic boxer. So I thought, I think that's what McGregor was expecting. But, you know, this is, it's been six months since the previous fight. And I think, you know, I think he will go back to his roots and kind of what he was learning you know, he's a very smart man. He, he knows what he would have needed to do to fix the issues from the first fight. Like, he's not going to get caught with, with them leg kicks again. He's going to be a lot lighter on them feet. And then, yeah, I think he will have assessed that second fight. He knows well all the mistakes that he made. And, yeah, I, I can see McGregor just coming through. When, when we look at this fight, when we look at Conor McGregor, this guy's brought so much to the sport. One thing that we haven't seen him sort of do on too many occasions is go into the deeper rounds of the fights I think for Nate Diaz too who really did prepare for that Khan do you think he's sort of done the same thing in this do you think he's aiming for a longer fight we've seen him doing a lot of cardio training a lot of cycling a lot of endurance with the strength and conditioning is this something that's going to you know you've said before that you think this is going to go into the later rounds of the fight I, 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 I disagree from my casual opinion I think it'll be first round or second round finish but talk to me about Connor's gas tank do you think he's made changes and adjusted enough to fight someone like Dustin who goes five rounds in a lot of his fights yeah well, look if we're gonna if we're gonna favor a gas tank here you gotta go Dustin um, but I do I do want to point out like yes the way Connor throws his left hand as I heard uh, DC say you can only throw about 12 of those at at high speed, high velocity. Your gas tank's gonna slowly wear down very, very slowly. If he comes out like he did in the Nate Diaz fight, a little more timed, he wasn't wasn't pressing the pace too much, but he was still in his face. We seen when he got to the fourth, fifth rounds, that gas tank did pull through. There is like a little switch somewhere that does turn off for a bit, but he does have that second win. And we go and look at after the Nate Diaz fight, when he fought Floyd, he went, what did he go? Eight. Eight, eight rounds, which is longer longer than any 25-minute fight in MMA. So I, I think we're overlooking the gas tank thing a bit too much. I think this is definitely a, a very, very big chess match. And um, look, deep, late rounds, Dustin. Early rounds, Connor. Dustin doesn't get it done by three. Dustin will get it done by three and four and five. I got Connor, second round here. All right, Steve, what's the writing on the wall? What's the icing on the cake here? Give us the pick. Easy, mate. I reckon two and a half minutes and Poirier is going to be absolutely out. 
I, I just I think McGregor is not going to be like cool, calm, and take his time. I think he's just going to go straight in. He's going to go in all guns blazing. Because like I personally think if it gets to the latter rounds, he's just he's he, he's not going to be able to do it. Yeah, yes, he has his second win, but Poirier's a different beast. Like he's went how many rounds did he go with Hooker? Was that three or five? Five. Yeah, he he went five with Hooker, which any man that can do that and take <laughs> that kind of a beating, like you know, that is. That is a big thing to do, and like McGregor always slows down in them rounds. And then I think if it goes to later rounds, there will be a knockout the exact same as the second fight. Poirier will just get him up against the fence and just throw too many punches, and that's it. Good night. But if I had to make an opinion and a pick, what I think will happen like two and a half minutes, and that's it. Game over. McGregor's just going to completely overwhelm him. And do you think that wins coming via KO punches, kicks? Yeah, I, I think punches. I think he's going to throw a lot of different stuff, as I've said previously, like a lot of different kicks to kind of set it up. But I, I think it definitely will be an o- his overhand left, and it's just going to put him down, and he, he'll finish him on the ground. We saw it in the first fight where Conor McGregor did land some big shots with that overhand left and that, that straight left, but Dustin has the ability to change and adapt during the fights, and that's how he had such great success with that counter-right hook. You know, he took one or two big hooks from McGregor, one good overhand, and then from there, he learned to sort of twist that shoulder and throw that overhand counter hook, which is what ended, you know, which which sort of helped him in that fight um, in this in the second round in the last performance. So, yeah, I think if Dustin can walk him down and absorb the bigger shots from McGregor early on, then I don't think McGregor has a has a hope in hell of beating Dustin. So what we like to do here, at MMA casuals, is go over the fight card, uh, the preliminary and the main event, and put down our picks in concrete, say it on recording so we can throw it in each other's faces, and suggest if we'd put any money on those fights as well. So look, I'm going to start us off here, going back to the prelims, Giles versus Duplessis. I'm going Duplessis, KO, I'd chuck a tenner on that one, Khan. What do you reckon about that fight? Yeah, I'm going to follow suit a few words. Uh, I'm definitely favouring uh, Duplessis here. Um, I'm going to predict a TKO slash KO. Um, if I'm going to pick the round, I'm going to say it's round two. Oof. Interesting. Right, well, it's going to be a clean sweep for Duplessis. Um, I'm going to be a little bit different. Um, very hard to pick a round, but I think he's going to submit him, and I'm going to go all in with a guillotine. Oof. But if I had to choose a round, we, we'll go for number two. Hall versus Topuria, mate, I, I, I can't back away from the wizard here. I think he's going to get that submission victory. Can't. Uh, I'm going to have to go opposite. I don't, I don't think Hall's going to take this. I think it's going to be a, uh, it's going to be a second round TKO. Sweet. Um, I'll stick with you again, Karen. I will go for Ilya for this one. Um, I think first round submission I think Hall is going to do his usual jump in and try to get the heel hook but he will be pleasantly surprised by Ilya's submission back wow okay alright Price versus Pereira this is going to be fireworks maybe even might you know has potential to be fight performance of the night I'm going to go with Price here Price knockout in the first round can't yeah mate not 100% confident in this but I'm going to have to go with the same as you Woods there I think Nico Price gets it done um, I think it's going to be it's going to be a tough fight I think it's going to be a, a decision Nico Price nice I'm all in for Michelle Pereira on this one um, I think I think first round KO I think it's going to be wild and crazy and it's going to be game over that's wow. a huge call. Okay, okay, okay. I like it. <laughs> I'm a big it's, man. It's bold, it's bold, it's bold, it's bold. But again, I said I said price around one as well, so... It's paying dollars. <laughs> Condit versus Griffin. This is going to be a really good fight as well. Um, I'm probably going to pick Condit by decision here. Khan? Yeah, again, t- tough fight. Um, I'm not backing you on this one, though, Woods. I think Max Griffin's going to get a finish. I think his boxing is going to be... Uh, it's going to be a bit too much for Carlos Condon, and I think it's going to be a decision to Max. Okay, I, I'm all in on Carlos. I think his extra experience, and I just think he's going to come out on top. Um, again, I will stick with Woods, I, I think, by decision as well. 
excellent you're sort of Carl and I differ on a lot of these and then Steve is sort of swaying between the two so I like it I like it all right <laughs> let's jump into the main event I know you had some some weird gypsy premonitions about this one Steve but mate I'm saying I'm saying I'm saying sugar show KO round two um if not in the first round as well I'd chuck some decent money on that if it was paying anything better than a dollar ten Steve hit me with that weird prediction yeah I think it's gonna it's obviously I, ha- I have to go for Sean O'Malley like I'd be absolutely crazy not to but I'm just excited to see what this new guy can bring. Probably a bit silly to think that, but hey, why not? Let's go. But yeah, I think first round knockout for Sean. Well, guys, I'm going to go against the grain here. And he's going to pick... Fuck no. I've got to go with Sean Sean. Are you serious? It's going to be a first round knockout. Now, how? We don't know. As Connor would say, you'll pay to see that. Ooh, ooh, McGregor's sleep. You heard it first. (laughs) <laughs> All right, <laughs> going into the women's bantamweight bout of the evening, Aldana versus Kunitskaya. I'm going to stick with my Russian bride here. Kunitskaya is going to get the decision over Aldana. I will jump straight in, and I will be the complete opposite. Um, Aldana by decision. I'm with you, Woods. Yana, Yana's going to take this out. I think it's going to be a decision. It'll be a very interesting fight and potentially a very boring fight. Let's go into the heavyweight bout on the main event. Tui Vasa versus Greg Hardy. What's it going to be? It's going to be Bam Bam all day. First round KO. Steve, you backing me up here or are you going with Greg Hardy? I'm completely backing you up, mate. It's it's all Tui Vasa. I'd say first round as well. Um, it's going to be absolute fireworks, but yeah, all day for a tie. Yep, that's a clean sweep from from, from me as well. Uh, bam, 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 go and get it, Dan. Um, yeah, Dan's gonna get the bam from Tai Tuivasa. Nice, and then he's gonna pull a fat shoey right in front of Joe Rogan, who's probably gonna refuse him his shoe again. Yeah, maybe not even interview him. This one, I think I know the answer to, but it takes a little bit more thought. We've got the Karate Kid versus Dorino, Burns versus Thompson. I'm gonna go Wonder Boy by decision. Steve, I know you were thinking Dorino. Are you still sticking with that or we managed to sway you? Nearly swayed me. As much as I love Thompson, I'm going to stick with Burns. Um, method of victory will be a decision also. Oh, Burns decision. All right. All right. That's risky. Whoa. That's risky. Whoa. Do I, do, do I throw a spinner in the works and actually draw? A draw? Oh. No, no, I think this is uh, technically a pretty bad matchup for for Gilbert Gilbert Burns, and I'm going to have to take Wonderboy Thompson decision. Well said. I couldn't have said it better myself because I just did. All right, <laughs> <laughs> jumping into Stop the controversy. Lips, <laughs> jumping into the controversy and the animosity that may sp- split the friendship. There's a tattoo writing on this one. There's money writing on this one. I'm sitting here looking at a bottle of Proper 12 that I've been drinking throughout the podcast. But unfortunately, I have to side with Dustin the Diamond Poirier. I was too impressed in his last fight. I think Connor's on his way out. I'm picking Dustin. Knockout. Wow. Okay. To put this a little bit higher as well, I'm going to go round two knockout again. Steve? All right. I'm all in Conor McGregor. He's going to get it done in fashion, in plenty of style, and it's going to be early. Very first couple of minutes of the first round, and it's game, game set and match. I don't say this with 100% confidence, but I definitely am leaning towards Conor. I think he's going to come out with a bigger variety of skills. It's going to be a lot more for Dustin to look at, and I think he's going to pick Dustin apart. I'm going to pick a, a round. I'm going to say, say third round KO from Conor That is spicier than a lamb vindaloo on a Saturday night card. I like it. Yep. I like it, but I can't agree. Right. We're going to quickly zoom through now and put our prediction forward for the performance or the fight of the night as well. I think this is going to happen before it gets to the main event. Uh, I think Giles versus Duplessis is going to be fight of the night. That is, has potential to be absolutely dynamite. If not, then I'm going to go through and say that Tuivasa versus Hardy will be the fight of the night. 
uh, and I'm sure we're going to see some magic out of O'Malley. So, yeah, perhaps he could pull the performance of the night, seeing how he goes against Chris Montino. Well, those are my predictions there. Steve, what are you thinking? Easy, mate. In, in terms of fight of the night, it's all day Nico Price and Michelle Pereira. Everybody just tune in. Like It's going to be the most entertaining sporting event in terms of a fight I think we're ever going to see. It's going to be fucking fireworks. Excuse my language. In terms of performance of the night, um, yeah, I'd probably stick with yourself, Woods, in terms of O'Malley. As much as I can see that shadow of doubt coming from a team, you know, like, you know, something weird might happen. My gut just tells me that he's going to sweep the floor with him and, yeah, he's going to do something fantastic in terms of knocking him out. And, yeah, another one, as he says himself, for the highlight reel. Nice. Um, look, I'm going to I'm gonna have to go with Nico Price and Michelle Pereira for fight of the night. I think you're right, Steve. I think that that, that has the potential to be a lot of fucking fireworks from the very first bell. Anything could happen. Could be a war. Could be an early knockout for either one. Um, I mean, we already know they're going to give Sugar Sean some form of a bonus, don't we? Just particularly <laughs> against a guy that's 9-4. Sorry, dude. I'm going to throw a bit of a spanner in the works there, and I'm going to say that performance of the night is going to be the solid comeback. Don't doubt my man out, Conor McGregor. Okay. I like it. If he gets it done, I'm sure he's going to get it done in style. Right. Well, that concludes our pilot episode for MMA Casuals. Uh, thank you so much for anybody who's listened in. Thank you to my co-hosts, Khan Ashworth and Steve Mulali. Any last words from you boys before Dustin chokes the living shit out of Conor McGregor? <laughs> <laughs> it was an absolute pleasure, boys.